in Matthew chapter 24, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Lord, tell us when will the end come and what will be the sign of your coming? When they ask Jesus this, Jesus gives them basically two main points that says, when you see these things, know that the end is near. He talks about wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and storms and all these things. But the problem with using earthquakes and tsunamis and Katrina and wars and rumors of wars to convince the world that Jesus is coming back and that you and I need to be ready. We need to make sure we're not only are we ready, but we need to make sure our family is ready. We need to make sure our friends are ready because it's going to happen quickly And we want to make sure not only do we go, but everyone we know goes with us. Can I have an amen? But when we use wars and rumors of wars and all the things that Jesus talked about in Matthew 24, the challenge with that is, is that people will say, well, this has always happened. There's always been storms. There's always been wars. There's always been earthquakes. There's always been famine. And even though it is multiplying and, and getting bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger, that is an argument that you can't get people's attention. But the second thing Jesus said has to get people's attention. He, they said, what will be the sign? And he said, wars and rumors of wars and all those things. But then he said in verse 32, he said, when you see the fig tree begin to blossom... But the fig tree is, without a doubt, the land of Israel. It's not just the Jewish people, but it is the land and that land that we call Israel. The Bible says that no man knows the day or the hour. We can't say that on this date, at this hour, we need to all get out in the field and get ready for the coming of the Lord because no one knows what day it is, No one knows what hour it is, and even though that's true, now listen to me, we don't know the day, we don't know the hour, but the Bible does say we can know the season. We can know approximately when it's going to happen. Now listen to what God speaks to in the prophet Ezekiel. God says to Ezekiel, he shows him a valley that is full of bones without flesh. And God asks Ezekiel the question, he says, when he sees the valley of bones in Ezekiel um, 37, he sa- asks Ezekiel, he said, and those bones are, is, are the children of Israel, the land of Israel. He said, can these bones live? And Ezekiel said, God, only you know. And then he goes on to say, my people, the Jewish people, the children of Israel, they will say, we are dried up. We are done. God is finished with us. Because in their eyes, after all the years, more than 2,000 years of persecution and slaughter and, and attacks against them, they will say, we are cut off. God will, God will not restore us again. But then God says to Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones, these bones shall live. Now listen to the prophet Jeremiah. And this is all about the coming of Israel and them being a nation again. In Jeremiah 16, verse 14, the Word of God says, Therefore, behold, the day comes, says the Lord, that it shall no more be said. Now listen to this. We, we shared this last week, but I want you to hear it again. 
Therefore, behold, the day will come, says the Lord, that it shall no more be said, the Lord liveth that brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. But the Lord liveth that brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north and from all the lands where he has driven them and I, God says, I will bring them again into their land that I gave unto their fathers. Now I want you to listen to that prophecy. For 2,000 years on Passover, the Jews will hold a Passover dinner. We do it here called Seder. And at the end of that Passover, for 2,000 years, they will say, they will end the Passover and say, next year in Jerusalem. Now, Seder, or Passover, is the celebration of the miracle of God raising up Moses, standing before Pharaoh, saying, let my people go. And after 400 years of slavery, Israel is allowed to leave Egypt so they can come to the promised land where the Messiah will be born. And so for 2,000 years, they're remembering the miracle of God delivering them from the Egyptians and giving them the land of Israel. And so at the end, for 2,000 years, they would end that Passover. May next year, we hold this Passover in Jerusalem. But Jeremiah prophesied 3,000 years ago that there will come a time that we will not say next year in Jerusalem, remembering God delivered us from Egypt, but we will say, remember when God delivered us from Russia. Remember when God delivered us from Poland. Remember when God delivered us from Europe. Remember when God, by a miracle, gave us our land back again. The miracle out of Egypt will be a small miracle compared to the miracle of God bringing us from all around the world. Somebody say amen. Now, why is this prophecy, this 3,000-year-old prophecy, so important? Because this is where all the experts say your Bible proves itself to be nothing but fairy tales. Because there has never been a history where a people have been out of their country for 2,000 years. They have no government. They have no army. They have no leaders. They have no gathering. They have no structure. Never has it ever happened. And so your Bible, the stories about King David, the stories about King Saul, the stories about Jesus Christ, they're all fairy tales, and this is what proves it because God said in his word that he'll give Israel back to the Jews. It won't happen. It's a Palestinian state. But when God says it's going to happen, you can mark it down on your calendar. It will happen. That's why the prophet Isaiah says, who in Isaiah 66, who has heard of such a thing? Listen to this. Who has heard of such a thing? Who has ever seen such a thing? It's never been heard of. It's never been seen. Can a nation be born in one day? Yet in 1948, on May 14th, in the Museum of Jewish History in Tel Aviv, in one day, 
a nation that had been scattered abroad the world for two thousand years a nation that's so small it looks like a pinprick on a map that's surrounded by its enemies god said in one day i will make that nation a nation again and it happened exactly the way god said it would happen can i have an amen jesus goes on and says the people who see this miracle happen those that see it happen that generation will not pass away before the Son of Man comes. He said, the earth may pass away, the heavens may pass away, but just as I said, in one day that nation will be born, the generation that sees that, I was born in 1950, Israel was born in 1948, And if God said he can make a nation be born in one day, and if God said that generation will not see the coming, will not pass away till they see the coming of the Lord, you and I sitting in this building, watching by television, watching by stream, we are that generation that will see the coming of Jesus Christ back to Jerusalem. Somebody give the Lord a shout. When you start in the Leviticus 25 and Leviticus 26, and I'll just give you a synopsis of this, God says to Israel, now I am going to give you your land. That's the first giving of the land. And he said, but I'm going to make a deal with you. I will give you this land, but you've got to give the land back to me. And so he tells them, for six years, you can plant seed in the ground. But on the seventh year, You are to make that seventh year a Sabbath year, a year that's holy unto me. Now, why would God do that? Because I'm the Lord of the harvest. And when you plant your seeds for six years, then on the seventh year, it is an act of faith. You're giving me that year back, knowing that I am the one who brings the miracle to the land. So the Bible goes on to say in Leviticus 26, he says, if you do this, I will bless you. But if you don't do this, for every year you break the Sabbath on the land, I will multiply your penalty by seven. So Israel's given the land, they begin to sow, but they did not keep the land a Sabbath on the seventh year. And by the way, this is the 60th year right now of the anniversary of Israel, and by a coincidence, it is also a Sabbath year in Israel. It is the time of God's appointed blessing. Can I have an amen? So they didn't do it. So in the year, and I won't get into all the details, but in the year of 605, God allowed judgment to come on them. In the year 606, Israel was taken out of their land because they broke the law of God and they were put into Babylonian captivity. For 70 years, they were in Babylonian captivity. God let them out, brought them back to Israel, and God said, now remember to keep the land in a Sabbath. Once again, they didn't do it. And so this time, God says, I'm going to credit you 
the 70 years in which you were in Babylonian captivity, but for all the years you didn't keep the Sabbath on the land, I'm going to take all those years and multiply them by seven. Now, we got into great detail last week. And so you take all those years, you multiply them by seven. You take the biblical calendar, which is a moon calendar, and you connect it to the world calendar, which is the sun calendar, and then you realize that 1 AD and 1 BC are one year and that comes out exactly to the middle of May 1948. So back 600 years before Jesus. So almost 3,000 years ago, God pinpointed exactly when Israel would become a nation and it'll be the middle of the month in the month of May in the year 1948. And so if God can hit it to the day... After 3,000 years, don't you know that you and I are that generation that will not pass away till we see the coming of the Lord? Somebody ought to shout amen. In Malachi chapter 3, where the Lord says in Malachi chapter 3, return unto me and I will return unto you. Malachi 3.1 says, I will send a messenger. A lot of people say, well, this Malachi 3.1 is John the Baptist. Malachi 3.1 is not John the Baptist preparing the world for the first church, but Malachi 3.1 is God raising you and I up to prepare the world for the last church because in Malachi 3.1, he says, I will send a messenger who will prepare for me and I will come suddenly to my temple. Everybody shout suddenly. In the Lord's first coming, he was, he, Mary was pregnant nine, nine months. Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day. He was bar mitzvahed on his 13th year. He went into the ministry for three and a half years. He came in riding on a borrowed donkey. He was crucified on, on Friday afternoon. He rose again three days later, was seen 40 days with undeniable proofs. So all of Jesus was not in the first coming was not sudden. But in his second coming, it will come as a twinkling of an eye. Listen to 1 Corinthians 15, 51. He says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, the trump will sound. When God began to deal with me on teaching on prophecy, I don't usually teach on prophecy. And the reason, and I don't usually listen to prophecy. Because most of the time, prophecy is about doom, and it's about gloom, and it's about suffering, and it's about all these things. That's not what prophecy is about. Now, let me tell you, if you don't hear the sound of the trumpet, it's bad news. But prophecy is to wake us up. It's to get us ready. When a woman hears that she's pregnant, the doctor says, well, your due date is November 15th or whatever. We know that it's not necessarily going to be November 15th, but as you get around that season, things start to happen. The stomach gets bigger. The birth pangs begin to happen. Why? These are signs that you need to make sure the car's full of gas, the bag is packed so that it doesn't catch you unaware. Amen? 
And so for you and I, it is not a negative thing. It's a preparation, yes, that we're ready. Yes, that our children are saved. Yes, that our family are born again. Yes, that we're not caught lukewarm. But it's also a preparation that in the last days, God will pour out his spirit. In the last days, there'll be end time transfer of wealth. In the last days, there's going to be signs and wonders and miracles. Folks, this isn't going to be bad times. This is going to be the greatest times in the history of the Bible. All we got to do is get ready. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting with verse 15. Look at this. And the Bible says, for this we say to you, that by the word of the Lord, we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. You want to make the rapture. That's what this is talking about here. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. This is the rapture. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words concerning the times and the seasons, brother, You have no need that I should write you. You understand what they are. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, and we'll talk about that prophetically in Israel, then suddenly destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should not overtake you as a thief. You are the sons of light and the sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be vigilant. What's he saying? He said, when you see these things begin to happen, but the main thing is, when you see the fig tree, when you see Israel come back into their land, when you see them begin to blossom again, when you see Israel begin to grow with the Jewish brothers and sisters that God will bring from the north and the south and the east and the west, he said, you need to get excited because the outpouring of my spirit is going to happen. Listen to me. When the Lord comes for his bride, he's coming for a glorious bride. He's coming for a beautiful bride. He's coming for an adorned bride. He's coming for a bride that has no sickness and has no debt. We got to wake up and get ready not to be judged, but to be blessed by the kingdom of God the way the Bible said exactly it would happen. Somebody say amen. We know that what he's talking about here is what the church world calls the rapture. But there is no word rapture in all the Bible. Okay, it's not in there. It's the word caught up, to be caught up, to be raptured, to be brought up. Okay, now watch this. As God promised the Jewish brothers and sisters that he would return to them the land, the land of Israel, one of the things that God said, when I return the land to you, you need to return to the land. In Hebrew, returning to Israel is called Aliyah. And those who Aliyah, who return, God says, when you return to the land, I will return with you. Now watch this. 
This prophecy, he said, when you return again, but this time from the north and from all the nations of the world, before they returned from Egypt, they returned from Babylon, they returned from Persia, they always returned from some place. But this end time prophecy of returning, God says, I want you to return from the north, from Russia, from Gog and Magog. I want you to return from Europe. I want you to return from South America. I want you to return from Africa. And when they return, God calls this Aliyah. Everything that God does has the physical and what? Spiritual. The heavenly and the earthly. As God calls our Jewish brothers and sisters to physically return to Israel, he calls you and I who are grafted in to spiritually return to Jerusalem. Now remember Malachi 3. Malachi says, return to me and I will return to you. How do we return? He said, you've walked away from my covenant. You've walked away from my teaching. Then preceding this, Malachi 3.1, he said, I will bring you a message. And that message will cause you to return to me and be reconnected to my covenant promises. So as the physical Jew is called to physically aliyah, return to Israel. You and I who are grafted in, you and I in these last days are called to spiritually return to Israel. Now watch this. The word aliyah is those who aliyah, it means in Hebrew to be caught up. When you and I aliyah, God says we are caught up. There is no word rapture, but Jesus said in this last days, when you see these things begin to happen, when you see the fig tree begin to blossom, it will be a sign that the last generation has begun and you'll see the Jewish brothers and sisters physically being caught up to Israel, but you'll also see the church. Now watch this. I'm going to show you something spiritually be brought back. Listen to me. Our Messiah did not come from Rome. Our Messiah did not come from Springfield, Missouri. Our Messiah did not come from Los Angeles, California. Our Messiah came from Jerusalem. Our Messiah will return to Jerusalem and someday he will build a new Jerusalem. And those who aliyah, those who see the signs are going to have the windows of heaven opened up for them and God will pour them out of special blessing to prepare us to be caught up with him forever in the air now watch this this is powerful in the this year the year 08 the 60th anniversary of Israel becoming a nation by the miracle hand of God and by the way when all the experts said that this can't happen and, and, and the prophet said, who has ever heard of such a thing? A nation born in one day. Nobody's even heard of it. Then the prophecy came and said, I will prove to the world that I am God. The storms and the winds and the famines and the pestilence, it won't prove it. But when I make Israel a nation again, the world will know that I am almighty God. 
60 years ago, God proved to the world, when he says it in his word, he means it. When he says it, he'll perform it. 60 years later, somewhere in a generation, the year 08, which in Hebrew means a new beginning, which means going from the natural into the supernatural, which means to superabound, to be covered with the fatness of God. This year, listen to me, just a month ago, this year, 08, the Jewish people for the first time in 2,000 years passed a law allowing Jews who believe that Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. They allowed them to aliyah back to Israel. It is a sign that the bags better be packed, the car better be filled, because we're about to have a new birth of the Holy Spirit and then the coming of the Son of Man. Somebody ought to shout amen. For 60 years, Jews who believe in Jesus have not been allowed to come back to Israel. But this year, in God's perfect end-time calendar, he allowed them to come back. Why? Listen to this. This is so important. When you have a, when you see a Jewish brother with a tallit, with a, with a garment, as our Bible likes to call it. On the garment are 613 knots, which are 613 commandments, are Torahs, are pathways, are maps to God's blessing. They are just now coming out and saying, why are we allowing Jews who believe in Jesus to Aliyah back to Israel? Because out of these 613 knots, now listen to this, listen to this. Out of 613 commandments, one of the commandments is the Jews are commanded by God to teach Gentiles what is called in Hebrew the seven laws of Noah. Now what are the seven laws of Noah? Read the book of Acts chapter 15. The leaders of the church, the Jewish leaders of the church, meet together in Jerusalem. If you, if you look at it in your Bible, your Bible on the, on the top of the page will probably say the Jerusalem Council. This was the Jewish leaders of the church getting together in Jerusalem because there are so many Gentiles coming to the Lord and receiving Jesus as their Lord and Savior but have no idea how to live for God. They have no idea. And so some of the Pharisees who were believers, read it, it'll blow your mind, said, well, they, let's get them circumcised. And they said, you know what? Let's not put something heavy on them. Let's start them out with these things. Don't drink blood. Don't worship idols. Don't fornicate. You know, that, that don't fornicate need, is not Old Testament. Christians ought not fornicate. Pastors ought not fornicate. Oh, you had a bigger amen for me than you did for you. These are basically a condensed version of the Ten Commandments. Listen to me. Why do you think the devil is trying to get us to take the Ten Commandments off of our schools and off of our courthouses? 
all civilization that is a good civilization lives. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not commit adultery. The basis of the human race is built on these. So in the Jerusalem council, they get together and they said, all these, all these Gentiles are coming in and they don't know anything. And they said, well, let's give them these, basically the seven Noahic laws. And that, listen, but it doesn't stop there. They said, because Paul said, because the rest they'll learn when they go home for Moses, the Torah is taught in all of their cities. Take the Gentiles who are worshiping idols, who are committing adultery, who are stealing from each other, who are murdering each other, who are doing all kinds of perverse things, and bring them and start them at least with the basics of being a human being. Why now are they coming back to that? Look, at the, look what it says. Let me read it. Isaiah 49. This is so phenomenal. Isaiah 49, verse 22. Thus says the Lord God. Now here's a prophecy. Behold, I will lift my hand in an oath to the Gentiles, and I will set up my banner over them for the people, the Gentiles. And they shall, now listen to this, they shall bring your sons in their arms and your daughters they shall carry on their shoulders and he says back to israel he said i will connect with the gentiles and i will put my anointing over them and they shall lift up the jewish people and bring them back to israel the Gentiles will come back to the Torah and when they come back to the Torah they will lift up the Jews and bring them back to Israel themselves Rabbi Schneerson says concerning Gentiles receiving God's spirit and through that touching the Jewish people at the last days listen to what he says Now, this was written about 12, 13 years ago before he passed away, which just by coincidence is the same time when God took me to Israel and said, I'll teach you to reread the Bible through the eyes of a Jewish Jesus and not a Protestant Jesus. Listen to what Rabbi Schneerson said, talking about being, becoming Levites and priests and, and, and lifting up the Jewish people. He said, how can a non-Jew have such spiritual power? Many Jews have abandoned the Torah, the Word of God, to assimilate or to fit in with the world, to look like the Gentiles who didn't follow, to look like the Gentiles who do not follow the seven laws of Noah or the Ten Commandments. So as soon as these Gentiles come back to God's Word, they will quickly lead the Jews who have strayed come back to God. He goes on to say, the world is now ready for the Messiah. When the Gentile is seen keeping God's word, the Jew will ask him, why do you do this? And the Jew will not be able to get that this Gentile is keeping the word of God out of his mind. He goes on to say, the Gentiles who come back to the seven Noahic laws or the Ten Commandments they will begin to keep the Sabbath. They will begin to eat proper. 
they will begin to celebrate Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, and Passover. And when these Gentiles begin to do this, then every Jew will then run to embrace God's Word. The Gentiles themselves have no idea that they are ready. They have never heard of the seven Noah laws, but God will raise them up as teachers that will teach them the Word of God, and they will bring the Jew back to Israel. Why in the year 08 has all of a sudden Israel passed a law that Jews who believe in Jesus can aliyah back to Jerusalem? Because leading rabbis are pulling out this teaching and saying that the, the key to Israel coming back to the Torah is the Gentile. When I first started teaching this, people thought I was crazy. What's all this Jewish root stuff? What's all this? I had no idea that we were fulfilling the end of the end of the end of the end time prophecy in New Beginnings, Dallas, Fort Worth, that in the year 08, that the rabbi, many of the rabbis would say, you know what? In order for Israel to come back to God and for Israel to come back to the Torah and for the Messiah to come back to Jerusalem, it's on the hands or the shoulders of the Gentiles. For the prophecy is that God will move amongst the Gentiles and there'll be a Gentile group of people who believe in the Messiah. That's why in the... In the, in the book of Zechariah, and we won't even turn there, Zechariah, your, your English translation says that in this last days, ten Gentiles will grab the sleeve of a Jew. In my Bible, it says sleeve, and then it says in parentheses, wing. Wing. That ten Gentiles will grab the, grab the wing the corner of the tallit of a Jew, and say, teach us, for we hear that God is with you. This is an end-time prophecy. You and I have been doing Shabbat for 12 years. You and I have been keeping Passover for 12 years. You and I have been celebrating Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, for 12 years. A lot of us have stopped eating pig. And Rabbi Schneerson prophesied 12 years ago the prophecy that would match Isaiah that in the last days God would provoke them to jealousy. I'm going to read it in a minute. That God would move amongst the Gentiles. They'd start by not worshiping idols. They'd start by not, by not fornicating and having sexual immorality. They'd start by doing this. But once they did this, they would move farther into Moses and farther into Moses and farther into Moses. That's why Jesus said, I am the point of that. I'm the reason for that. And in those last days, Rabbi Schneerson said, the Gentiles don't even know they're ready. They don't even know that God God's going to use them, but he'll raise up teachers that'll go into the world and return us back so that the covenants can be released. Now watch this. 
And he said, Rabbi Schneerson said, and Jews will come up to you and say, why are you God? Why do you have a mezuzah on your door? Why do you wear pray with a tallit? Why do you do these things? This rabbi pulled us up on our website and he sat there and crossed his arms about a year ago and said, tell me why you got mezuzahs on your door. Tell me why you're wearing tallit. Tell me why you're eating kosher. And I said, because Jesus didn't come to separate us from the word of God, but to connect exactly what Rabbi Schneerson would say. Exactly. Does this thrill you? Go with me to the book of Romans chapter 10. Folks, this is not the end days. This is the end of the end of the end days. It's time for morality to be back in the church. It's time for the Word of God to be back in the church. And when we do this, He'll take us further, and He'll take us further. And then all of a sudden, we'll understand the miracle of the Sabbath. We'll understand the healing in His wings. We'll understand the miracle of Passover that Jesus kept Himself. We'll understand this. And this will bring us back to the Torah. And the Jewish people will come and say, we're not doing that. We don't have mezuzahs. We don't pray under the tallit. We're not eating kosher. We're not keeping the Passover. Why are are you and the prophecy all the way back from Isaiah says that in the last days there'll be the people of miracles that God will use to bring back the Jewish people to the Torah and then the Son of Man shall rule and reign. Oh, somebody ought to shout Amen. Look at Romans. Look at Romans chapter 10. Look at verse 18. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out on all the earth and their words to the end of the world. But did I say, but I say, did Israel not know? First Moses. Listen what it says. Here it is. I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation, those who are Gentiles. And I will anger you by what seems to you a foolish people. Now look at me. He said, I will provoke to you by, a, by, a, by the Gentiles who are not of the people of Israel, who you think are foolish. Many people, most Jewish people think that we're foolish because we believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. In the Bible, the Bible talks about two messiahs. The Bible says the first Messiah will come as a suffering Messiah, but the second Messiah will come as a reigning Messiah. When Jesus came the first time, he came riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. They were waiting for the king of kings. A king rides a horse, a stallion, a servant rides a donkey. He may have been come riding in on a donkey on the first coming, but on the second coming, he's going to blow the trumpet and he's going to come on a white horse and you and I are coming with him. They think we're foolish, but what's going to turn it around? Look at verse 10, uh, chapter 10, verse 20. But Isaiah, here's the, what we're talking about, is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. 
I was found. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God. And the Word was with God. And the Word became alive. You and I, I found Jesus 31 years ago. But in the last 13 years, when God spoke to me in Israel, and he said, I'm going to open your eyes, and I'm going to let you read the Word of God through a not a Gentile Jesus, but a Jewish Jesus, I started with baby steps. And all of a sudden, it's accelerating. Why? Because you and I sitting in this building, you and I watching by television, you and I watching by stream, we are the end time fulfillment that will come back, and this will provoke our Jewish brothers and sisters back to the word of God. Look at, look at chapter 11, verse 11. I say then, have they stumbled Israel that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall to provoke them the jealousy, salvation, and that word salvation there is the word sozo, which means anointing and healing and blessing and prosperity and power and victory has come to the Gentiles. Now if their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentile, how much more shall be their fullness? What God is saying is, you think it's been good? Where do you see what's going to happen in the next 10 or 20 years if God gives us that? Because as we do this, listen, almost every week we have Jewish people that come into this church and sit there and listen to what we're talking about. I met with about 15 rabbis up in my office and they said, you know more about this than we do. You need to come to our synagogue and talk to us. Listen to me. The Bible says in the last days, we're going to tear down the wall that divides us with Jesus being the chief cornerstone. Is anybody getting this? Some pastors, one, a, a, a dear brother in town here ran into one of our people and said, man, I hear what's going on there at New Beginnings. He said, man, I'm hearing nothing but good stuff. He said, I need to come down and talk to Pastor Larry what, about this Jewish root stuff. Listen to me. The Jewish root stuff is gaining momentum. The eyes are being opened. Our ears are being unplugged. And all of a sudden we're realizing, you know what? Somebody's been lying to us. Somebody's been giving us false doctrine but in the last days we're going to return and he will return to us rabbi sneerson said god amongst the gentiles will raise up teachers will raise up rabbis will raise up leaders and teach us the miracle revelation of the word of god somebody's going to get that anointing it might as well be you somebody give the lord a clap offering book of ephesians the bible talks one of the end time signs moments moments before the coming of the lord or at the coming of the lord there will be a one new man there will not be jews and gentiles there will be children of god period one new man look at me prophetic one new man look at with me on ephesians chapter 4 starting with verse 11 and he himself gave some to be apostles and prophets some evangelists and pastors and teachers 
for the equipping of the saints and for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all, till we all, till we all come to the unity of faith and of knowledge. Look at me. We have the faith. They have the knowledge. When we add to our faith, their knowledge, and when they add to their knowledge, our faith, Look out, devil. It's all over. It's done. Look at this. Till we all come to the unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. So many times in church, we don't even know what the Bible says. We preach what our denomination says, or we preach what our grandfather said. But God said there's going to come a time, the end time, when we won't be tossed to and fro with every wind and doctrine, but we're going to know the Word of God when we add to our faith their knowledge, and when they add to their knowledge our faith. Listen to me. The Old, the Old Testament proves that Jesus Christ has already come. The Old Testament proves that the Messiah has already come. But they were looking for a king. This time, they're going to get a king. And you and I are going to pave that way for the king to come. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness by which we lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love. Listen to me. There's a time coming. We're not going to settle for the nonsense. There's a time coming. We're not going to settle for the shields of brass, but only settle for the shields of gold. There's a time coming when we add to our faith their knowledge that God will open the windows of heaven and there will be signs and wonders and miracles. We won't be putting on a carnival act, but there will be demonstration of the dunamos, the dynamite power of Almighty God. And when they see the miracles of God, they'll know that our God is God and his name is Jesus. Jesus Christ. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, for whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. This I say, therefore, And testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardening of their heart who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness, to works of uncleanness with greediness, no con game. No con game in the church. 
No con game on television. No con game with the pastor. No con game with the evangelist. No con game with the Christian television. But we're not going to need to con because God is going to do a great outpouring. And when God does the real thing, we'll not even want the fake. Oh, I need an amen on this. Who being past feeling have given themselves over the lascivious to work of uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so, but you have not so learned Christ. God, Jesus didn't teach this. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth in Jesus. That you put off concerning the former conduct. The old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Think about what Rabbi Schneerson said. Think about what he said. The Messiah is ready to come. How did he know that? All the prophecies are in line. There's not one thing has to happen. But according to Isaiah, which Paul quotes, he said the Gentiles don't even know they're ready. But God has a people. And the key, think about this. The key to our Jewish brothers and sisters of their hearts being ready of the 144,000 missionaries that will rise up out of there for the Messiah to come and rule and reign. The key to them is you and I provoking them to jealousy. Why do you keep the Sabbath? I see the blessing on everything you do. I see the joy. I see the peace. I see the fullness. You're doing everything that we do. What's the difference? The difference is that Jesus Christ is that chief cornerstone. Right now, they think we're foolish. Right now, they think we're foolish. But there's a time coming quickly. I said on on the first Easter Sunday, nine Orthodox Jews from Israel came and sat right in these front rows. Did not, never had been in a Christian church in their lives, never been in a church in their lives, but were in in America for political reasons and heard that we were teaching about the Sabbath and we were teaching about Passover and we were teaching about Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and Sukkot. So they said, you know what? We need peace between the church and Israel. To survive, we need peace. So if we're going to go to church, let's go somewhere where somebody's teaching something we can relate to. Nine, or I'm talking about full Orthodox Jews. We had to bring a rabbi in to make upstairs kosher. Never been in a church. Did not realize that this Sunday that they were walking in is what the church calls Easter. And here we had, quote unquote, communion. And these nine Jewish brothers are like deer in a headlight. Oh my God, what have we done? But as I taught communion the way Jesus did, as he said, go and prepare Passover for me. And I taught the four cups. All but one took the four cups with us. And upstairs through a a, a Jewish interpreter, Hebrew interpreter, This one member of the Israeli Senate looked at me, tears running down his face. He says, I know the Bible said one day this would happen, but I never thought I would see it in my lifetime. 
Folks, you and I sitting here watching this television, watching by stream, we are the fulfillment. Yes, there's going to be people that say, I don't, uh, we don't need the Jewish roots. Listen to me. My Jesus was a Jew. Paul was a Jew. Peter was a Jew. And we need to add to our faith their knowledge. And when we do, God said, I will build the tabernacle of God and Jesus will be the chief cornerstone. Somebody give the Lord a clap offering. Do you receive it today? I want every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, I ask you to take this word. And Father, I ask you to eliminate all confusion and cause your word to be rhema to us. Father, not only to those that are in the building, but to those that you have handpicked to be watching us from stream, to be watching us through television. Father, bring this anointing. I know that for years we have been told that we're severed from this. But God, let us come to that rapid knowledge that they are the root and we are the branch grafted in. And as we reconnect to the root, the harvest is going to be more wonderful than we've ever realized. In Jesus' mighty name. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, no one's looking around. You're here right now in this building. You know, if if you're not saved, you're coming into the kingdom at the best time in the history of the world. If you're here today and you say, well, pastor, I've been saved, but I'm I'm, I'm kind of backslidden. I'm kind of lukewarm. I'm not really serving the Lord with all my heart. Today's a great day. Today is the day of your salvation as every head is bowed and every eye is closed no one looking around you're here right now and you say pastor larry i want to be part of this end time outpouring that's so important but can i say this without trying to use scare tactics what we see here today is happening right now and he will come as a thief in the night Satan says, how can we keep people from getting saved? Let's tell them there's no heaven. Let's tell them there's no hell. Let's tell them there's no reward. And Satan says, no, I got a perfect idea. Let's tell them they have plenty of time. I'll get saved after the summer. I'll get saved after this. I'll get saved after this. But we got to realize that we don't come to the Lord when we want to. No man calls Jesus Lord except the Spirit draws him. So if you're here today, I'm not asking you to become religious. I'm not religious. I'm asking you to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord, your Savior. Asking you through Jesus to connect to Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Sitkanu, Jehovah Mekadesh. I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, everything you and I are looking for comes from knowing Jesus Christ.